motorcycles and misfits here at the recycle garage in sunny santa cruz california (laughs) (laughs) oh yes it actually is slightly overcast which made it perfect Mm -hmm. very nice out so let's get to who is in the room tonight over by the door visiting us once again you know him as kickstand but we're gonna call him mike d hello hello Glad to be here today. Thanks for having us in. And you're keezing, keeping a Bosley's box uh, c- uh, company over there. I miss that little guy. He was yeah. uh, he was wanting to clear a room. <laughs> <laughs> that guy had skills. <laughs> Mad skills. Mad skills. <laughs> and coming around the room, uh, we've got Scott. From Balmy Alameda. Greetings. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, everyone. This is Liza. Choo, choo, choo. I just said the first thing came to mind. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's if my that new works, thing. Lisa. I just the first thing comes to mind. I saw trains. <laughs> oh no, I broke Emma. <laughs> oh my god! What? It was a happy train. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Running the board tonight. We've got bagel. The wheels on the bus go round and round. <laughs> what, do I, what do I follow that with? I know, I <laughs> know. Grown up. I don't need to hear that song anymore. <laughs> on the classy girl couch, it's Miss Emma. Hello, darlings. It's Yay. Nice to be, yay, it's nice to be back. Yeah. yeah, I know. We've missed I'm, you. You're looking good, I know good I missed too. you all too. You look in summary. Thank you, darling. I, like I feel it. summary. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I don't know. I was, I was laughing because it's, it's Liza's right to choo-choo's. That's a dad joke. Yeah, that's something you would say, Scott. Yeah. And joining Emma on the classy girl couch, visiting us for the first time, it's Tyler. Hello, hello, hello. Good to be here. I like that. It's nice to have you here, Tyler. Thank you. It's good to be had. (laughs) Whoa, Mrs. Blimey. What kind of show is this? (laughs) It's one of them shows. That's when NPR gives the warning. <laughs> and uh, stationed by the open window for reasons we will not expound on is Naked Jim. Hey, peace, love, and soul. Oh, there's good news. It looks like Henry is finished playing with and himself. And Henry is just coming in. Go ahead and get yourself. I, I, I bet he was. <laughs> Henry, go ahead and get yourself situated. And while you do that, I've got an announcement to make. An announcement? Oh. Who likes free stuff? I like free stuff. Everybody. Who likes free stuff that involves motorcycles? Ooh, uh, Everybody. Count me in. Need even more. What if they're fast motorcycles? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's really good. We like fast motorbikes. So you guys know the Sacramento Miles coming up? Yes. Yeah. And we're giving away two pairs of tickets. We're doing this with our friends over at Creative Riding. Oh, fantastic. And Law Tigers. Oh, That's yeah. cool. Law Tigers. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> I like the growl better, Emma. <laughs> and Law Tigers. The, the Sacramento Mile could be even a, a, a bucket list item, right? It's one of those things oh, like yeah. you could just do it once, like make a road trip, do it. But do it. It's really cool. Jim, when was the last time we were at Dirt Track? Uh, races? Yeah. Uh, your backyard? Think, like, well, besides my backyard. <laughs> besides yeah. your backyard. I think it was Sacramento Mile. No. Where was the last dirt race we went to? Ohio? 
Yeah, I think. No, well, it was. Uh, uh, it was Las Vegas. Was, wasn't it Portland? Uh, yeah, no, it was. Oh, the, Portland was the hooligan uh, shooting uh, yeah, Portland. Hooligan Supermoto. What a short me. memory you've got. I know, that was good. It was cold as heck, but my God, it's great. If you have never seen dirt track racing, mm. Oh, God, it's amazing. Well, so the Sacramento Mile is coming up very soon. It's on May 18th. And that is soon. Thanks to Law Tigers, America's motorcycle lawyers, to be able to see some of the fastest riders dirt has ever seen. So here's how this works. Because we're doing this with creative writing. They Send a dick pic to Liza. <laughs> <laughs> so creative writing, their show comes out on Friday. Our show comes out Sunday. Last Friday, they started this out. If you listen to creative writing show... There's a phrase that pays. The first half you'll find at Creative Writing, and the second half you're going to find right here. The second half of the phrase is... Turn left. Okay. Go to Creative Writing. Listen listen to their podcast from a couple days ago, and you'll get the first half of the phrase. The second half of the phrase is turn left, and then what you do, put those two together, and you email Podcast at gmail.com. And in the subject title, put Sacramento Mile, and you just may win two tickets to go see fastest racers on dirt sacramento mile definitely yeah it's so cool. there you go yeah and not only that you if you hang around on sunday i think then you can watch a lot of the vintage guys race which is all which, which is kind of just as cool i mean the, when the pros guy races the pro guys race it's a lot of fun because they haul ass but watching right. the vintage bike is you know it's almost as much fun you know, you cannot beat the sound of two strokes going around the mile. Oh, God, mm. it sounds... Oh, I love it. Those bull tacos ripping it up. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, so that's going to be um, fun races to see, and they are fast riders. And so what was the second part of that phrase? Turn left. Turn left. The only way to get the first part of the phrase is to tune into... Creative Writing Podcast. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah, they ride fast. Not quite as fast as the guy who was riding our mini bikes out of the tent when he stole them yesterday. Yeah. What? No way. May I say something? Yeah. What an absolute complete wanker. Indeed. Mm. Yeah, this is the second time we've had mini bikes stolen from the tent. You'd think I'd learn. Yeah, bad on us. Um, but it was during the day. It was in the middle of the day, and we've got cameras out there, and we got the guy on camera. I do not recognize him, so it is not somebody that we know. Well, that's Um, good. Stole one of the minibikes, came back half an hour later, stole the second minibike. Wow. Yep. And we're pretty sure Electric Terry saw somebody riding one of them in one of the neighborhoods not too far away. Yeah, because because yours, I think, doesn't have a functioning brake. No. So so he almost crashed into her because she came barreling through the intersection like in a big arcing turn looking like she was unable to stop. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like my bike. Yeah. Um, so that sucks. The mini bikes are stolen. That but suck. that so just means dick. it's an opportunity to buy more stuff. No. But first we're going <laughs> to try and get these that back. that shit down. Exactly. Exactly. Right. First, and then buy more shit. First, we're going to try and get them back. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, Santa Cruz is small in that sense, and they're, mm-hmm. on, the, they're on the west side somewhere. I told Liza, I think they're going to ride them till they run out of charge, and they yeah. just ditch. They them don't somewhere. have the chargers. Fucking just throw them on the side mm. of the road or whatever. Still right. bullshit. And you know, Terry, he's like, God damn it. He goes, you know, hey, I know someone who's a detective. If you want, we can call him. We can put him on it. I'm like, Terry, they don't give a shit. They don't give a shit. <laughs> Kenny, the cop, was over there with me when I went, holy shit, my bikes are stolen. He goes, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny was just like, check out my new police zero. Yeah, was Kenny was cool. riding the zero, yeah, the FX, bike. which is really cool. 
It was a good-looking cop bike. Um, let's see. What did we do this weekend? Lots of fun stuff. Um, today in the garage, we had we helped some kids. Yes. We, we had uh, Brandon, who showed up with a Duke 390. Uh-huh. That apparently is his first bike. Yeah, it sounded like it was more like a Duke 385. After <laughs> <that>. <laughs> and it sounds like he was riding it a little too fast. Hmm. Went too wide into a turn. Right. And went head into a truck. Ooh, right. Oh, But fortunately, it was going uphill and he was braking so he survived well i mean that's wow. the important thing he's okay he's learned his lesson um mm-hmm. and the bike can be fixed i mean it needs a complete <laughs> front end you know i did some measurements on the front end and um, the technical term is it's fucked i'm glad he mm. brought it to us because it's one of these cases where he was just planning on replacing the obviously broken bits right uh, like the brake pedal <clears throat> and the right. gear shift and there was so a little he, more to it than that will he uh, have it totaled by insurance or what's he gonna do i think he's gonna have a go himself because okay. i mean you know the problem is with young guys if they get involved in a motorcycle wreck and claim on their insurance, which and it's they his are, fault. Uh, yeah. Yeah. which they're entitled to do, you get fucked by insurance. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, your your rates, which are already high, just skyrocket. So I think we found him a front end on Fleabay for like three hundred and fifty bucks. Fleabay. Um, <laughs> so is that just fork legs, or is it fork legs, triple tree, forks legs, yeah, and triple tree? Right. Um, and that sustained a hell of an impact. I mean, I was going over the welds on the frame just to see. Any um, any sign of broken paint yeah. around the welds on the frame, just to see. But but to, to a new writer, not obvious, and no. that's why I'm glad that he brought it in. I think it was his dad that brought him in. His right? dad brought him down, um, and he's really excited. So he's getting the front end. It's mm-hmm. coming down from Potland, Oregon. Um, it'll be here midweek. He's going to come back next weekend. And I'm going to hover over him, and um, he's going to—that's awesome. He's going to yeah. put his own front end on. I mean, that's he's a pretty good education for yeah, three hundred he's going to be laying his hands on his own bike. I'm yeah. not going to do it for him. And it's a modern bike. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm so oh, yeah. I'm so glad he brought it down because we were able to spot things that could be problems. Just replace the whole thing. Yeah, and just keep him safe. And, and then, um, oh, an update. Talking about insurance, mm-hmm. I did call my insurance company. I did get them to drop the insurance on my KTM. What was the oh, yes. skinny? By about two hundred and fifty dollars. Oh, wow. how? I don't know. I said this can't be right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think my mileage is too high mm-hmm. or something. And they sent me a new version without any changes to the policy or the mileage. Mm. But I went down two hundred fifty dollars. Mm. That sounds suspicious. That's to a good me. phone call. Mm, what company yeah. are you with? Progressive. Do we do we? Okay, I think a lot of pretty us, common. You know. We've got such a great choice of motorcycle insurance now. I remember back when I first was fresh off the boat from England, which was like the early 90s. A wee nipper. I think it was, um, everything was McGraw. Well, yeah. and, and um, yeah. yeah, you weren't here last week. My, I got my new insurance policy. Yeah, yeah. All my, like, little bikes, scooters, everything are, like, 74 a year. My, like, Versus, the bigger bikes, right. like the KLR, like, 125, 135 a year. And the KTM came in at, like, 875 a year. That is a lot. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> well, no. Whoa. I'm just laughing because I pay way more than that for my bikes. Yeah, well, um. yeah. So yeah, I did call. I did call and get that reduced. But they said that um, when I said why would it be so expensive on this bike? He goes, well, it's a large displacement bike. It's a you know right. leader bike. And he goes, so they are under the assumption that you'll be going faster when you crash. Therefore, it'll be more damage. And I said, well. I'm going to be going the same speed I would be going on any of my other bikes, which is going to be 
you know, the rules of the road. It's not like I'm doing right. 120. You know, I just remembered exactly the same thing happened to me. And I was with, I'm with Progressive now, but back then I was with, I, I really cannot remember. And the RF 900, they were going to like triple, triple my rates. Mm. And they said, you know, this bike is just a very, very high rating with insurance yeah. with this company. And my, my insurance agent said, you know, let's shop around. I think we can do better. Mm. And they halved it. Wow. Nice. So, yeah, yeah. So, so I did get that reduced. So that oh, was good. Cool. Well, um, that's good. We had another um, big win today. Oh uh, yeah, John with the Harley, the oh, old yes. twelve hundred Sportster. Yeah. I'm glad to say he rode it out of here. He rode it out of did here. Did he really? He did. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. good for him. He got the parts he needed, and then the last big hurdle was there was, um, and this is, I think, a good lesson for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two screws that take the um, the the plate off of the cover that lets you get to the adjuster for the um, the prim- well, it's, primary. It's, it's actually the little cover. It's like an you inspection take the cover, cover. And you stick your finger in and feel, feel yeah, where your primary chain is. It's like an inspection cover. Yeah. It had two screws that were Allen, yeah. and they had stripped out. So then we tried an easy out, and the easy out broke. When you get Ooh. to that point, it's like, all right, now we're at, like next level stuff. And I talked to Doug and Emma, and we all kind of powwowed about what what would you try. And this is a fun thing when you get experienced people who've done this, because mm-hmm. um, he went out. His solution was he went to the hardware store and they sold him a cobalt drill bit. Mm-hmm. Well, no, that's <laughs> <laughs> no. When you have a broken shard sticking out, um, yeah. but we ended up. Um, taking the Dremel and slotting it so it didn't matter that that broken piece was in there. We just took a cutting wheel and put a giant slot in it. Applied... Um, so you cut into the cover also? No. Just the top of the screw okay. and, and the bit. And it still didn't come out. But um, we then just... Uh, in doing so, in doing so, we kind of broke off the pieces of the broken easy out so that it was recessed again and we just took the extractor bits that we have that aren't really an easy out these are these extractor bits that on one side has a reverse thread almost grinder right that grinds out a um oval opening or not oval a um pitch pitch tapered opening then the other side actually has um uh, it's like a reverse bit with Teeth that grabs yeah, in and expands, and and we use some heat. We got pulled out the propane torch, right, heated it up, so that actually worked. In it worked how, like a charm. How long did you heat it for? Heat. Not that long, I and mean, we didn't like have a lot 30, of gas in there. Seconds or oh no, no, about like uh, three minutes. And okay, so but it was on. Know. It wasn't really blasting. Yeah, and you came running out with a propane cylinder that was <laughs> leaking quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I it, I thought the propane was getting low, so I took the um, the top the uh, you know the torch part off. Yes, and there's supposed to be a valve in there when you remove something that it, it didn't. Yeah. It just oh, kept, it kept going. spewing. Yeah. So I just and then I kept trying to put the 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 trigger back on, but it was starting to it was getting cold, right? It was cold. Yeah. It was like going all on my hand. I'm like, ow, ow, it's getting yeah. cold. So I just took it outside and walked around and You're like uh, Pakistan style and just let it just spew. And I'm like, all right, no smoking, no yeah. smoking. And you you got to watch that stuff because it's oh, yeah. heavier than air. Yeah. So you know you oh I can't smell anything. It's great. If you were to get down on your hands and knees, you'd mm. smell it. 
And that's where it'd be the most flammable. Woof. Yeah, Ooh. drop a cigarette in there. Yeah, that. drop a cigarette and then you'd uh, burn your trousers. You know, I Which is always unfortunate. I had an experience with something very similar to this for my Jixer. Um, I broke off an exhaust bolt on the... Uh, on the headers, yep, mm-hmm. and that was way up underneath by the frame, and pushed in half the bolt was sheared. So it's like yeah. a stud, right? Like yeah, a stud? so yeah. it's a stud, but like you were describing, very similar. And mm-hmm. I tried the easy out; it broke off in there. Yeah, and it was a hardened piece. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I did a lot like what you were talking about. I used reverse drill bits that were the hardened ones. I bought a twelve pack of those, and also mm-hmm. the Dremel. And I ended up using the Dremel with the uh, carbide bit up inside, mm-hmm. and then I just tapped it out. Uh, but it was it was a two hour process, and oh, I, was, sure. I was envisioning having to pull the motor, take it to a machine shop. I even yeah. sent pictures to Scott, and he was going, <laughs> you're, yeah, you're, "You're fucked, bud." <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "Thanks for the support." He's like, "You want to sell it?" <laughs> you know, and generally we're very lucky here in California, be it, um, and the states in general, right. because e- corrosion isn't a massive way of life here. But certainly in England, where they salt the roads in the winter, I mean, Jesus Christ, yep. I mean, exhaust studs would weld themselves to exhaust pipes. And if you wanted to change the headers on your bike, you were going to drill out eight studs. I wow. mean, that was just how it was. Yeah, are there any penetrating oils you like if you can let something sit Oh, overnight? God, yeah. Like, what do you like, like to sit the overnight? The best kind of penetrating oil. And the, pr- the, the price of this stuff will curl your hair. Hmm. It's called Croil. croil. Aero yeah. Croil. Yeah. There's nothing like Comes it. In, in the orange, orange can. can. Yeah. yeah. The um, oil that creeps. It, it is the <laughs> oil that creeps, and it really, really works. It's yeah. it's amazing stuff. When I worked at Chevron, we got that stuff there, and a few <laughs> bottle, a few of those cans might have gone missing. Oh yeah. Mm. Well, it's it's like twenty odd bucks a can. Well, it's so, funny because I, I used that stuff when I was taking the Ascot apart. Yeah. Same thing on like manifold bolts, and uh, I found if you let it sit overnight, everything comes off real easy. Oh yeah. And from the factory, it's not over torqued. That's right. the thing. Um, so, and in this case, heat, just not a lot of heat. You can't beat heat. And because there were actually O-rings on these, uh, on the heads of the bolts, right. but we didn't melt the O-rings, so not a okay. lot of heat, uh, just heat, and then really getting in there with these extractor bits came right out. And it was a good lesson for him to learn right. all the different steps. Um, yeah, so he managed to get everything back together, and the bike started right up, and it sounds like it runs good. Cool. It sounded like a bucket of bolts. <laughs> <laughs> and he Which was, means it's running good. And he, he was scratching his head, and he's no, oh, it didn't make a noise like this before. Oh, right. And I was looking at it, and I'm like, how long were these replacement bolts you put in? <clears throat> and he's like, long. So um, we took the we backed the bolts out. Yeah. So the and the noise went away. The bolt, what a surprise! The, the bolts that were holding the inspection plate, because it's uh, American thread. I didn't have a lot of choices, but I had some uh, flathead uh, screws that were long, too long. So I told them take the originals, line it up, take that Dremel bit that we already have the cutting wheel on, and to cut it off. Yeah. Uh, so I guess he cut it a little bit long, and, and it was it was self-clearancing on the chain, and it <laughs> yeah. was a, it was a biblical noise. <laughs> <laughs> but the good news is he knows now how to go and cut those down and slide the bolt the nut on it first, so that when you back the nut off, it'll straighten the threads. I think he's been learning a lot. He has been learning a lot, and I tell you what, he left here, and he gave it the beans. Yeah, mm-hmm. and. Um, 
Yeah, he's nice. not he's not shy of opening that bike well, up. That's, that's the best. Well, one of the best things about it is now he's not afraid to work on the bike. Well, right. and he's going to continue to learn a lot that that young man because he says things like. So now I'm thinking of doing like um, traveling, like cross country on it. Perfect. Wow. And when I told him that we did some uh, adventure riding yesterday on dirt roads, he goes, "How do you think this bike would do on dirt roads?" <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was like, you know what? Oh, you've got so many lessons to learn. I, I got bullshit spirit, on that let's, because let's remember? go take it out and find out. <laughs> remember, Andy? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Andy would ride that those oh, yeah. fucking oh, Paul, Paul Brown will. It doesn't all, mean they're the not place. miserable right. and breaking down all well, the time. Well, it's a chopper, so you go, yeah, miserable yeah. just comes uh, with it. That's like a default thing. <laughs> but, think, um, yeah, so yeah, we were able it, to help right? some kids today, and not He's just young. that. Oh, the kid on the KTM, Micah said, "Do you have adequate gear?" And he goes, "Well, I got a helmet and, and boots." She marched him right into the gear room and gave him uh, right. some gear. Cool. So that was good too. Um. I wanted to talk real quick. Uh, Jim and I did a little adventure riding yesterday. We could call it that, yeah? Yeah, a little. I call it a nook and cranny ride. <laughs> yes. A crook and nanny ride. I. So I. when you look on Google Earth and you can see the satellite image, we can see all these dirt roads and fire trails up in the mountains. And we want to go on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, it's it's beautiful. I mean, the scenery is amazing. But you have to be careful because some of them are hiking and biking paths. <laughs> right. Um, and so we've decided to start setting out. He does the whole like recon on the satellite, and then we go out to these places on our dirt bikes and try and find them. Our our rule is if there's a gate or a chain, don't go. And if there are potentially bikers, closed gate. Closed but, yeah, closed gate. gate. If there's bikers or hikers on it. Don't go. Yeah, that was your rule. I think that was a good one. But if there's signs that are warning you about things, who cares? <laughs> so trespassers will be shot. Doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. So we ended up <laughs> most of the most of the access roads we were trying to find they were gated, and this is all going up Highway One right up the Pacific Coast Highway. Yeah, this is a California thing. At least where we live, every little nook and cranny road where you think you could sneak up into the hills has a gate and a sign. Yeah, and we've done a lot of probing over the years, but but we found two that were pretty fun and one of them happened to be um, a field most of the coastline here are are fields for vegetables and such it's all agriculture yeah Cows. And, well then we found a farm that had no gate <laughs> <laughs> well it's funny because we made a right off that we're going north on the one the pch <coughs> and and if, you know if you don't know this area it's it's really beautiful it's like redwoods kind of down to the coast a little bit of rolling like grassland and then right down close to the beach it's really pretty so we went in this one road made a right and we're like uh kind of went past some farmers we waved to them because you always wave to people when you're on someone yeah, else's property yeah. one of the roads we were trying to find you had to go like through a farm to get to it so we're just our policy is just wave at somebody yeah like oh, i belong yeah. here like i'm just driving through your farm guys are on a tractor and they're waving back at us and then we yeah. go to the dead end and we ride back out if like they flip chill. you off turn around if yeah. they wave back keep going yeah. and then we get out to the end of the driveway and we're about to go back up to one and lisa's like hey what about over there and I'm like, no. And she's like, what about over there? I'm like, all right. <clears throat> yeah, we went right across Highway 1 into a farm field, basically. And it was like the tractor road. So it was ruddy and sometimes muddy. And it was good. It was good riding. It was a little bit challenging. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Well, you, a, you had to kind of lay low because it was a rolling, basically rolling hills down to the ocean. And uh, 
and it was like row crops. I don't know if it was like lettuce. It had just been plowed under lettuce, probably like Brussels sprout or artichokes. <laughs> and it was really fun because you're riding through this big, huge farm. I mean, it was probably, I would say, easily a thousand acre farm along the coast. And it was just these rolling disked hills. So we just were, were, we weren't going crazy, but we were like riding around and then trying to stay out of sight because, you know, the farm was across the road. And it was stunningly beautiful. I mean, there were flowers and. And we rode till we came to a fence. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then when we were turning around to go back, we saw a white pickup truck on the hill. La Because <laughs> <laughs> we were like, oh, somebody's going to see us down here. Right. Dude, it was totally We looked back up. It was like a TV show. There was like this white Bronco or whatever it was, like on the very rise of the strawberry field. And we're like, okay, let's just fucking go down this road and just keep going. And but we managed to go out another road, not the road we came in. Yeah. And we're and like, you, we hope there's not a gate. And you almost crashed or something. <laughs> yeah, there was a rut. My wheel got stuck in a rut. <laughs> but what, um, what were you two riding? I was riding my CRF 250. Yeah, KLX 250. Yeah. And uh, so we got out of there. I, I, I like to think that we were being chased. <laughs> it, was a, it was like a slow speed chase. Yeah. You know? And then we found another one that went up to a neighborhood. And again, no no gate, just lots of signs saying you're not allowed to be there. And it turns out uh, we went up right up into the Redwoods on a dirt road. And there was beautiful like little creek and waterfall yeah. and kept going up. And there was like people who live in up there. And uh, we kept and we went up quite a ways up in the mountain. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it was Until cool. we came to a sign that said beware. And that was for Jim like too much. <laughs> I don't know. It says beware. Dude, I, I almost. Know. I still followed your ass up there. Like, I'm like, fuck, eh. she's going up the beware road. It could not be more <laughs> I, witchy. Too. I think the, like, the meaner the sign, the bigger the bluff. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, but you got some of those people with the do the the pulling the uh, wires well, and stuff. Well, you're out there. I think There's I think we I think we both realize you're far enough up in uh, like away from society that this is where they might just shoot you and bury you because who would know? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And you realize you start to get far enough away, you're like, oh yeah, they may have their own rules around here. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely thought that on the farm because we were so far down into this farm, like almost like the like, little bit little ways before the cliffs down to the ocean. And I'm like, dude, they could totally roll up on us and bury us, and no one would ever just know. If you hear banjos, yeah. Yeah. I could yeah. just see them pulling around. you over and frisking you for artichokes or something. <laughs> It was pretty, though. Like, if you're ever in this area and riding, you know, these little roads that go off Highway 1 are gorgeous. Like, we just kind of went up this, well, we went up this little uh, hippy-dippy resort place, found a dirt road off of it, just jumped down to it. Just ignore the what? signs. Hippy-dippy. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a resort. Fucking yurts and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Oh, oh yeah. Christ. And, uh, but, Glamping. Yeah, yeah. And then we just kind of ended up on this other road, and it just got more beautiful and beautiful the more we went up. And, yeah, hardly saw anybody. Yeah, so we're doing this like urban exploring. I know that's not really yeah, but urban you know, there, but still, we're not far away from where we are, and we're not in a, an official dirt biking destination. So we're having fun trying to find the roads. And do you know what helps you along there? Both your bikes are quiet. Mm. Well, mine's reasonably, not. Well, that, that and we have the Senecoms on, so we're we're working on our stories. Right. <laughs> Depending upon where we are. Yes. And, of course, we got to stop for pie. It was an awesome lemon color. Uh, oh, 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 did you go to Giza? Custard. Orange, yeah, orange custard. Orange custard mm. at uh, Pie Ranch. Yeah. Oh, my Pescadero. Oh, God. Orange to custard. To ride, ride to eat. Yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah, it was good. So that yeah. area has some awesome riding anyway. We've been talking about it. So Highway 1, uh, Pescadero. San Gregorio Stage Road. Mm-hmm. You know, well, the San Pescadero Gregorio Creek. store. If you go to the San Gregorio store on 
any Sunday morning in the summer, there's tons of bikes outside. Oh, yeah. We were there. Well, and actually, yeah. uh, we were there two weeks ago mm-hmm. on our bikes riding when we did the ripple relay yeah. uh, for Wurr Oh, the Wurr The Wurr <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's when we met Tyler. Yay. Yay. So Tyler, I, who's Tyler? I invited <laughs> Tyler in because she has an interesting story. But more so than that, um, she pulled up on a Can-Am. And I will openly admit... At first, you're like, oh, damn, it's a cannon. Okay, I'm gonna call Lies out. No, we were having breakfast when the Can-Am rolled by. Yeah, I know. But it's like, oh, it's a Can-Am. <laughs> it's like Can-Ams and Sportsters with peanut tanks are both, you're like, oh. <laughs> can I, can I stop know. everyone there? Tyler, you got a Harley what is a Can-Am? Uh, a Can-Am Spider is a reverse trike. It's got two wheels in the front and one in the back. Okay, how big is the engine? thousand cc's okay very good does it have a handlebars and a seat you sit astride like a motorcycle yep i mean you know there may be people living in a cave yeah mm-hmm. or in countries that they're not allowed who have never seen a canam that's true well and it's controversial and we have always joked like hey be nice you, wave to everyone on you two wheels have always <laughs> let's, joked. let's but can we all agree to hate canams that's you been our running have <laughs> always agreed to hate canam well and but, plus, plus there are uh, there are also other vehicles that are similar Design, but they have steering wheels and seat belts too. Like the slingshot, fuck yes. those slingshots. Yeah, or the T Rex. After them doing the donuts and all that, remember that? Slingshot but it kind of changes everything because now I know somebody with one, and so and you were willing to wait. That was I was like, okay. And so it changes shift. everything. Now it's like it's hard to hate on just it's easier when they're just random people but now i know someone so it's like oh so we were chatting in the school we had our comms on and i was asking her so why did you choose a can-am in in exactly that tone i was like oh, i don't think she likes them <laughs> no that's a natural tone <laughs> she doesn't like much you can tell was i a complete asshole because knock is like you're such an asshole why would you ask that no, like, you weren't an asshole i but wanted I could, to know yeah oh she is you can admit she is it's okay <laughs> so can you please tell me the story when i asked you why do you ride a can-am uh well i used to ride two wheels um and about 10 years ago, uh, I was on a long-distance trip to Wyoming, and it was a couple hours outside of Boise. What were you riding? Uh, I was riding an FC1. Oh, Yamaha wow. FC1. There you which go. Which is a great bike. Mm-hmm. Loved that bike. That yeah, was... Right there. Mm-hmm. He's got one. I loved that bike. It was fantastic. Um, anyway, we'd been following a semi-truck on, I think it was 84, which is like a two-lane highway. Uh, came to a three-way stop. Um and the truck didn't move. We had been trying to get around him. Too much traffic. We couldn't pass. Um, sat and waited. Didn't see any signals. Didn't hear the engine. Um, so I kind of edged out to the left. And uh, I thought he saw me in his mirror. And I thought maybe he was waiting for us to go around. So I started to come up to the cab to find out if his truck broke down or what was going on. Makes sense. I would do the same thing. Yeah. And and uh, before I got to the cab, he started to turn left, and um, I got knocked over and run over by the rear wheels. Mm. Oh. The, the very back wheels on the trailer or the, the rear wheels on the cab? The rear wheels on the trailer. The very back. That's, okay. that's what's carrying the weight. Yeah, oh. yeah it was a fully loaded semi. Oh, my so. God. 
Did you stay conscious for all of this? Yes. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, I was I was oh, awake for the whole thing. So. There was probably a lot of crunching sounds. I'm guessing. Well, I I don't didn't hear any crunching sounds, but my I kept trying to claw away from the wheels because I didn't want to run over my head. Um, so, but it did run over my pelvis, and um, so I had a a broken pelvis and severe degloving injuries on my legs. Did the bike save your life? Did the the bike got wedged (laughs) under the into under the undercarriage of the the semi so i don't know whether it did or i mean it's all kind of a blur right Mm. but um my first reaction when i stopped rolling um i was on my back one leg was bent oh so you were being rolled by the wheels that's how the degloving happened yeah okay (laughs) does everyone know what degloving is i yeah, because I want to like, say people don't Google it. Yeah, <laughs> Let us just give you a description. Yeah, it's it's the the skin and the tissue is, is rotated so, off of your oh. your body. Wow. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I landed with my right leg bent, my left leg out straight, and my first thought was, "Can you move your toes?" Yeah. Because my my first thought was, "Am I?" going to be a paraplegic yeah. right so you're um, very aware wow very yeah. aware yeah. yeah so i moved my toes and but i thought okay how did did he come to a stop when did he become aware after happened? he turned and and because the bike was wedged hmm. up so his truck wasn't driving oh. properly so he stopped he didn't see me Jeez, yeah. um, and did, what, what were you wearing uh gear like every, full every, head to toe, full head to toe gear, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we we're huge advocates of wearing the proper gear, but I mean, for if Christ's I, sake, if I didn't have the gear on, I probably wouldn't have legs. I wouldn't be here, right. So, yeah. you wow. know, and nothing's going to protect you from getting run over by eighty thousand pounds. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. so you're lying there and you're like, okay, start assessing. Well, no, my first reaction was I, I was really fucking pissed. Oh this was, wow! This was going to screw up my vacation. I was so close to getting to Wyoming, yeah. and, and this was a big, you know, big trip for me and friends and all that sort of stuff. I had four people with me; they all got to witness it from yeah. behind. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I was just really pissed. So, uh, the first person that got to me was the I was in Cary, Idaho, and the off-duty uh, fire chief just happened to be at the gas station right there at the corner. And he was my first responder um, within 60 seconds. Wow. After I have a question because this, I think, comes up when you're riding with a group. How did the other women in the group handle this? Because this is something we all may face at some point where somebody gets in an accident and you're yeah. like, what do I do? Were they able to help or, or was this just as traumatic for them? It was just as traumatic okay. for them. Yeah, I, I would expect I mean, that to be. They they helped, you know, because they had to get my gear off the bike, and you know, afterwards, because they took me, they life flighted me to, right. to Boise, and and they continued on the trip, but they had to get my my gear and bring some people brought it to the hospital and things like that. So, um, so you had a you had a you said an officer there, first responder, uh, off duty fire chief, of fire Perry. chief. Oh yeah. wow, so, that is so lucky. Yeah, it, and it was because um, standard procedure would have been to take me to Haley, which but he knew that my injuries were way above what Haley could handle and mm-hmm. I needed to be life flighted so he had the authority to say take her directly to the um, helipad and get her to Boise right did away. Did they bind your pelvis? <clears throat> I'm not really sure what they did because yeah. at that point you know the Everything's adrenaline kicking and yeah. is kicking in and you're kind of going into shock and stuff so mm. um, I don't remember a lot I, d- I do remember saying I didn't want to die and yeah. I-, I wanted to live and so I think 
because of that they were all in everybody the you know the paramedics right. and the fire guys and my friends and everybody they were they were all in with me so that's good advice yeah yeah, yeah. wow yeah so so you get to the hospital <clears throat> uh yeah they life flighted me to uh St. Alphonsus Hospital in Boise, and um, I spent two weeks there. They just happened to have a pelvic reconstruction doctor. He's well <laughs> renowned in, in the Idaho, U.S., of course. and he just happened to be there, and he just happened to be free that day. So wow. um, he came in and did the pelvic reconstruction, um, and then the next two, or it was about ten days, I think, were spent doing bandage changes, and I uh, got some really interesting drugs like um, <laughs> ketamine, special Ooh. K. Mm-hmm. That's some weird shit. I, <laughs> were they at least playing good music? Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. There was some some good music, and um, yeah, I had some. I still can tell you some vivid. Um, hallucinations or dreams or whatever you want to call you, them that you I had. Eric Kendrick, yeah. Yeah, it was, <laughs> so it was bizarre. Just curious, so in a degloving, the skin is not sal- salvageable when it's no. yeah, removed like that. Yeah. So so they're having to clean oh, yeah. and oh. dressing changes every four oh. hours and oh. stuff like that. So, um, And then they realized that they couldn't, um, they did not have the facilities to take care of all of that needed to be taken care of. So they life-flighted me back to uh, Santa Clara Valley, Valley Medical Center, the burn unit there. It's mm. like mm-hmm. the number one burn unit in the United <clears throat> States. That's another state. No, here. Oh, oh but you were... From, from I, Boise, yeah. yeah. Yeah, from Boise. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they, they yeah. flew you. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I had my own private jet with my own two nurses, and you know, it's like, <laughs> wow. no paparazzi, no photos. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and how, were you, how were you managing at the... I mean, you've got... Pain, but are are you thinking like, am I going to walk again? Am I are, was it? Are you critical condition still? What was going on? You know, I I was out of it a lot. Um, yeah, that makes I mean, sense. there are some things that I do remember. Um, you know, I remember conversations with my sister. There was one day where she came in and I said, um, I need to talk to you. And she said, Okay, what about? I said, Wait till the nurses leave. She said, Okay. So the nurses left. She said, So what do you want to talk to me about? I said, Why did you do that? She said, why did, I, why did I do what? I said, why did you take Shannon? That's my daughter. Why did you take Shannon and I to that wedding? She looked at me and said, what wedding? I said, oh, <laughs> y- you didn't take me and Shannon to a wedding where everyone was naked, did you? <laughs> <laughs> wow. And she said, yeah, not, not this week. <laughs> right. You, so, you were on some pretty heavy duty wow. drugs. Oh yeah, yeah, wow. major major drugs. So, um, so what are the doctors telling you now? <clears throat> they're not really telling me anything. I think. Um, <coughs> I mean, I went back and saw my uh, head doctor, Doctor Morgan, and after about nine months after the accident, um, I wanted to go back and say thank you and meet them. And I walked up to him, and he, I walked up to him, mm-hmm. and he said, um, "Yes, can I help you?" And I said, Dr. Morgan, I don't know if you remember me. I'm Tyler Risk. And he said, he just looked me up and down. And he said, you are not Tyler Risk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. And wow. I just wanted you to know that uh, what you guys started here and that I was able to make it back. So, um, no, I don't think anybody ever thought I was going to walk again. Wow. Um, I mean, they really didn't think I was going to make it through the night, you know, the first night. So, um I, I think it's it's kind of like when you walk back in with a story like that when somebody's been working on it because you, you go away you know they don't see you again they don't know what's going on 
And so to have you walk in and say thank you really, I think, helps them on their rough days um, to know that they can get through because they're making a difference. So how long were you in the hospital? Uh, Well, I was in Boise for two weeks. I was in the burn unit for two and a half months. And then I was in spinal rehab for a month. Wow. And, um, yeah, the when when we landed coming from Boise, um, a bunch of my friends, motorcycle friends, met the um, ambulance and followed us, you know, gave us a, a escort to the hospital. And the guy in the back of the the uh, ambulance with me kept looking out the window and looking at me and looking out the window and looking at me. He said, who are you? Because <laughs> there's like 30 bikes following us wow. all the way to the hospital. So, yeah. um, and they had, you know, they had a balloon release. They were all downstairs. I was up in my room and they had all these healing balloons and they were bouncing them around my window and <laughs> stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, it's, um, I, I really didn't know if I was going to walk again and nobody ever told me I wasn't. I mean, they had the look, but nobody ever said, you will never walk again. And did you ever think you would ride again? (laughs) Well, I had the conversations with the the two voices, you know, on each shoulder. One's going, you have to ride. This is what you do. This is what you love to do. See, this is, and this is what I wanted to, this is kind of why I wanted you in here, because this is that crossroads. A lot of motorcyclists come to when you've been in an accident and and you have to dig deep and realize are you going to continue riding like how important is it and for many people this is that point they they turn back but for many others it's just as important as walking and breathing right and and it was so much a part of my life and yeah you know so much of my community is our writing friends that I've met and somebody asked me do you wish you'd never started writing because of that accident I said absolutely not there's about 30 seconds I wish I could like maybe have a do over mm-hmm. but the people that are in my life because of writing the things that I've done the places I've been and seen nope wouldn't want to change it yeah, there is one thing though I think when you crash like we've all crashed right and um, when you do mm-hmm. it 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 still affects, I think, your mentality around mm-hmm. writing, yes. right? I, and, and I think some people can crash and they shake it off. Like maybe it doesn't affect them at all. But I think when you crash, because I, like I crashed last week, even if it's minor, it still kind of affects your your whole mindset around writing. So my stuff's been minor compared to that. I can't imagine how getting run over by a semi affects your your whole psyche, your whole mentality as you throw a leg over something. Well, yeah, I mean, you know. Like I said, there were the two voices. There was the one voice that said, you have to ride. This is who you are. And then the other voice is going, are you fucking crazy? <laughs> Jesus, woman. And back and forth and back and forth. And, and I did that for months. But, you know, there at that point, um, I couldn't ride. It, it wasn't a possibility. So there was no decision to be made. And sometimes not making a decision is making a decision. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't. You know, I, I didn't know if I was ever going to write again. I wasn't saying I wasn't, but I wasn't saying I was. It was sort of that gray area. Of one day at a time, one step right. at a time kind of thing. Let's walk first. Let's find a way yeah. to walk first. That would be good. So you did, you were able to walk. I assume that was a, a long road and a lot of work. Yep. And at what point were you then making writing your next goal? Um, 
Well, I got home, and I was home for my Christmas. Uh, the accident was in June, so I was home. Uh, I was stayed with a friend of mine because mm-hmm. I had stairs in my house, and I couldn't go up and down stairs yet. So I stayed with her for a month, and then I uh, was home. Bless you. Um, and I was home by Christmas, and then the PTSD set in, uh, which I was aware of because we had talked about it in the hospital mm-hmm. and stuff. So um, got some therapy for that, did some EMDR, which is an amazing technique. Um, if you haven't ever looked it up, look it up. It's incredible. Um, Can you repeat that? EMDR. It's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Okay. Mm. Look it up sometime. It's pretty incredible. Great. Yeah. And and it's really works really well for PTSD. So went through that, um, kinda got got my mind in a better place and stuff and started thinking about writing, um, but my balance isn't great. Mm-hmm. And um I had so much damage to my legs, and this, the grafted skin is very delicate. Um, I mean, I got a gash on it when I was in Iceland a couple months ago, and it's just now finally healing, and that was mm. two months ago. So wow. okay. y- you have to be really careful, and um, even a tip over on two wheels, you know, those mm-hmm. things where you step on something, your foot goes out, and you fall over, that could be really serious for me. So um, so I'd seen the spiders before. Um, you know, up at Alice's, there was one. I thought they were pretty cool looking. What? What did you think? Were you, come on, what camp were you in before this? Did you think they were cool then? Yeah. Okay. She's no, she's no <laughs> mean I, like you. She's I, not I know, mean I like you. <laughs> not a, not a hater. Okay. No, I, I'm I'm sort of in the camp. I don't give a shit who you ride or what okay. you ride. If you ride and you're having a good time and it's good for you, then it's good for me. But we have to have somebody to hate. <laughs> Uh, I'm still right. All right, all right. Sorry. We'll why pick we, someone new. Why do we have to hate? No, why do we <laughs> make have it to more hate? fun? No, I, have a, I have a question. What, <laughs> Liza yes. likes drama. I have a question. What did that PTSD look like to you? Because this is a conversation I was having with Jim a little bit earlier, to where I was told by a doctor that trauma lives in the body. And after my bad accident, right. one of the things I'm noticing is my left turns. My body wants to go away from the road, push up from <clears> the road. So, <throat> what did it look like to you? Well, for me, it was more emotional. I mean, I, everything, I, I was crying all the time. I was, mm. everything was gray. There was no sunshine. There was no light. It was just kind of gray and heavy and n- no joy. And that's kind of where it was for mm. me. So, um, and, you know, I wasn't writing at that point. Right. So that wasn't something that I was dealing with at that point. But like I said, I really missed it. But I, two wheels you know people go you could ride again i'm like yeah but i just don't know if my head would be in the right Right. place i was doing the same thing so worried about every turn about any stop and falling over or low siding or it's that like oh my god i i wouldn't be in the right head space it it seems impossible at the time i mean it it seems absolutely just out of out of you know out of this universe, I'm, I'm, and I was only in the hospital for ten days, and yet it, it just it did take some time. Yeah. Right, and I just want to remind our listeners about you, Mike. Is the two people in this room who've suffered the most traumatic injuries? Of course, you, Tyler. And you might. Yeah, you win the uh, the scar competition. By <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, said, I'm not even. We'll in the have same a competition. But you never, lose, buddy. Trust but me. Never, <laughs> nevertheless, Mike. I mean, you had a traumatic injury. You've got half a damn foot. I do. I had a, a post metatarsal right foot amputation. 
uh, because I I was T-boned in an intersection and the car's bumper pulped uh, my right foot below those. Yeah. Wow. And mm. Liza really gets wigged out by your foot. Are you like to no stop it, stop it. I'm gonna stabby things, stabby on, things. Stand. Oh, touch he her likes with to it. touch you with, with his nub. Fucking take that shit, touch her with it. Come she on. loves the give, nubbin. Give Liza a good nubbin. No, stop it. So <laughs> stop it. Stop it. So you realized that writing was something you wanted to do and you started right. thinking about the Can-Am Spider. Mm-hmm. Were there other options, sidecars, stuff like that? Were you checking them all out? Um, no, I, I just pretty much went to the Spider. Um, I, they're they're engineered really well, um, mm-hmm. much better than a traditional trike. Tra- traditional trike will flip over right. pretty easily. The Spider won't. If you flip over a Spider, you're doing something really wrong. Um, so I just I liked the. I just thought they looked cool, and right. um, I liked the stability, uh, obviously, for me, um, and um, I went and took one for a test ride. And are, are the, are the, I'm sorry. For go ahead, go ahead. Are these the ones that tip the front wheels for no. you? No. no. Or how does no. How does the steering work? It's, it's you hang like, on not tighter. Yeah, <laughs> you, you hang on. You hang on pretty tight because centrif- centrifugal force is trying to pull you off the bike. It's like a quad. So rear wheel drive, uh, front wheel steering. Yep. It's like okay. three car tires, basically, right? Uh, no, the rear tire is car tire. The front, the fronts aren't car tires per se, it, um, but they're they're a little bit bigger than its traditional. Its closest relative is actually the earliest trikes. Now, back in the 1930s, mm. a company called Morgan yeah. made three wheel. Mm. with motorcycle engines. Now, they differed from the Spider because they they had a steering wheel. It was very much a car. But it was designed for people who only had a motorcycle license, who didn't want to get a car license, but they could have a car experience, but more importantly, a sporty experience. And let's not forget the Corbin Sparrow. Right. And And the Merlin. That's right. Yeah. Um, Gosh, those early uh, Corbins, the know, Sparrow, got him <laughs> shaped like a shoe. <laughs> I know. Yep. But I wanted to get back to, so you said you went for a test ride. What was the period of time between your accident and when you first threw a leg over Can-Am to go on your test ride? Um, about 10 months. Okay, that's quick. So, hmm. yeah. And what did it feel like, that first ride? Weird very very it's a very different ride um than two wheels uh it's very physical so i kind of took it as part of my physical therapy because you're Mm -hmm. constantly pushing with your legs and Hmm. pushing with your arms so that was kind of one of my physical therapy things um but it's there's no counter steering which took some getting used to there's no front handbrake it's all abs linked through the foot pedal don't have to put your foot down at uh, stop signs mm-hmm, right so i kept trying to put my feet down i'm like oh okay i don't have to do that and then i was talking about this earlier the the hardest habit to break with is tracking because when you're in two wheels generally you track right or left of center mm-hmm. and on the can-am you got to do dead center because if you track left you've got a wheel over the center line and mm-hmm. if you track right you've got a wheel over the thing so so that was probably the biggest um thing to relearn on it you know it's in a, in a day of all twisties i'm exhausted it is physically demanding i've heard that before though they yeah. are a workout they are they are um but they're also, it's like I've got the throttle in my hand, the wind in my face, and a thousand cc's between my legs, so, so it's all good. So <laughs> did, did it give you that feeling of freedom yes. that you were seeking? Yes. So it's, it's scratching that itch. Yes. 
That's great. It's, it's different. Um, you know, two wheels is a wal- like waltz, and a spider's like a polka, but I'm still dancing. <laughs> oh, still I like dancing. that. Yeah. Still no, dancing. Still that's... dancing. Yeah. So it, it's just, yeah, I miss two wheels. Um, I missed a lot. It, that, that, you, you guys know what it feels yeah. like. That. Yeah. Oh, but you and, know. And there are times when I feel it differently on the spider where they slide into the you know the turn and the body's in the right place and you go around that turn and it all just goes really well so i do still get that kind of feeling but it's different so <coughs> so how long have you been on the spider now uh nine years and, wow. how, many, and how many do you have I have two. <laughs> I have one here on the West Coast, and I bought one about a year and a half ago on the East Coast. And oh, wow. I have friends that help store it for me, and then I just fly out there and pick it up, and then I can ride on the East Coast, too. Sweet. Don't have to do that middle part of the U.S., all that straight stuff. You, know? <laughs> you fly over country. But, you know, yeah. we, we talked about this outside, <clears throat> Tyler, and I, uh, I wanted it to be a positive story, and I think <clears throat> you wanted it to be as well. Yep. Um, and ultimately it is. I mean, it's a tragedy that you made the most out of. And you're still writing. Well, and like we were talking, you know, people would say, well, everything happens for a reason. And I don't believe that. Sometimes shit just happens. And it's how we choose to deal with it right. and, and move forward with it. And I was also saying, you know, out of this tragedy... There were a lot of silver linings that happened because of it. Um, people that I've met in my life, watching my friends get closer because of the experience and bond. Um, you know, my daughter and I got to see her graduate. And, you know, so there's a lot of silver linings that came of it. I mean, would I recommend it? No. But you can get good things out of it as long as you're open to having that happen. As somebody who has ridden two wheels and now three wheels can you tell us maybe what are some of the highlights or advantages of a can-am well stability obviously Mm -hmm. um i can go a lot of places that some of my friends will not go dirt you know i ride dirt Mm. dirt roads and stuff like that i don't worry about i'm not going to slide out and fall over um you know i can stop places that other people can't you know um it's just i i have more flexibility in what i can do on it um than than some people do on two wheels or are comfortable with but i mean make no mistake if you try hard enough you could be thrown from it yeah yeah i mean it, sure you can get thrown from anything oh yeah for sure you know? yeah. so how is it for touring fantastic I would think so. I would think that would be a great touring vehicle. What, what kind of storage does it have? Oh, I've got storage. <laughs> you know, people used to go, oh, my God, you get a trunk in the front. And they give me so much crap for it. And then they go, um, would, you, would you carry this for me? Well, Emma's <laughs> got a, a trunk of funk. Yeah. Well, I, I, I call it a frunk. Yeah. yeah. A front trunk. trunk. I got junk in my trunk. Um, so I've got the front trunk. I've got side bags. I've got a top case. And I also have a Gibby bag that I strap onto the back of the bike. The back you of the know, seat. many years ago, I rode a Honda Pacific Coast, which is a two-wheel bike with a trunk. Yep. And all of the misfits used to make fun of me. 
Mm-hmm. But I used to carry all their gear yeah. when we went on a run because it had it had the load capacity do, of a. Freighter. Do you have room to carry my beer? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Maybe. So you know, I know For all about carrying capacity. Yeah. So what's the like torque on it? What's like high speed? Tell us more about. Well, the the, the the speedometer goes to two hundred miles an hour. <laughs> wow! I have not tested that. <laughs> what's what's the highest you've gone? Oh, I never speed. <laughs> 68 miles an hour if in 70. Yeah. What's the uh, highest but, hypothetical speed you've gone? Uh, well, if I had been in Death Valley on a really straight road, I might have gone about 110. So, <laughs> if, if I could have, but not that I would have. Right. <clears throat> um, is, is it fun? Does it have that torque? Does it? Does it? Is it? You know? Does it feel like ooh, a fun bike? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... So it doesn't feel like a giant mobility scooter. No. <laughs> can you wheelie it? No. Yeah, no. You, I, no. But I, can I was, you stop it? That's what I was going to say. I was yeah. gonna, I'm was i trying to stop it, but it take a lot to get that, that big old girl up uh, in the rear. So, so Sounds like if a stoppy goes wrong, that's bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And if yeah. you get the front wheels up, I think that would be bad, too. So Probably. Yeah. But I tell you what, I've, I've looked at a couple of these things, and they are very well built. I mean, Bombardier actually know how to screw things mm-hmm. together. They make damn planes, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's it's very well engineered. Um, and it's, you know, it's... I, it it lets me go out and and enjoy the world and do the things that I love to do and see the places that I love to go and spend time with my friends that have been all over the U.S., uh, New Zealand, Canada, Mexico. And you're you're somebody who's been involved in the motorcycling community. You yourself started a, a women's riding group here. I did. Um, Dangerous Curves is the name of the group. Nice. Um, when I first started riding, uh, I was dating somebody, and he was kind of my mentor as well, as was one of his best friends. Uh, they both moved out of state, and so I was looking for other people to ride with, and I was a new rider, so I was, wasn't comfortable with the sport bike crowd because they kind of were a little crazy for me at that point. And what were you riding <clears throat> at the time? Uh, Suzuki GZ250. Oh, okay. yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The that jizzer. is a very the good... Jizz bomb. The jizz bomb. I've got, one in, my, I've got yeah. one in my garage right now. Yeah. yeah. Right. It was a great little bike. I loved it. Um, so I was looking around at other for other riding groups, and particularly women um, writers. Uh, but a lot of the groups were, they had, um, you know, sexuality-based, brand-based, uh, absolutely no men. Uh, you had to ride a bike with X number of CCs. I, I wouldn't have been able to be a member of my own group if I did, mm-hmm. you know, start one. So I just said, screw it, I'm going to start my own. So um, there were three other ladies that I knew at the time, and we started the group, and Basically, everybody's welcome. Men are welcome as invited guests as long as they behave. Mm-hmm. What you look at me for? Don't <laughs> <laughs> totally look at me. Not doing anything. You know, you know, back in junior high your school. Your reputation <laughs> precedes you. Not doing anything. Um, and you know, I just like I said, I don't care who you ride. I don't care what you ride. It's that you ride, and that we all enjoy it. And um, that's what's most important. And that's why we started the group. So. Right. And that's awesome. And that's the same spirit of oh. where we're, is to, yeah, we want to be able to include men because, uh, you know, you were saying it was a man who got you into riding in the first place, right? Yep. Yep. For so many of us, <clears throat> that's 
not me personally, but for so many, right. it was. And you want to pay homage and say and thank you. Well, I know there's there is some <coughs> turmoil over uh, on the where we're you know having men involved. Well, right. this is supposed to be a women's ride, and why do we have to have men around to protect us? And I said it's not about protecting us; they're supporting us, and right. I think that's really important because. The men that support us are just as important in, you know, trying to get the word out of getting the industry to pay attention to women. And right. a lot of them are men. So if we have men that are going, you guys need to, hello, pay attention here. I think that just helps the cause. And that's why I brought Jim with me on the Ripple Ride. I think you felt comfortable, right? Oh, yeah. No, it was awesome. And and, mm-hmm. and I appreciate it because everyone, we didn't know going in if if any women would say, like, whoa, what's he doing here? I knew I was a bit of a guinea pig. It was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> but everyone was completely accepting and treated yeah, him just like what, everyone else. It was what, a good crowd. Was everybody actually kind to you, Jim? <clears throat> yeah, like, well, I, I, not I, me. <laughs> well, that's no, I, I don't think new. Liza can be kind to anyone. But no, that's no, a fair point. No rotten tomatoes. No, You didn't get the royal raspberry. <laughs> no, unfortunately. <laughs> No, I felt everyone I uh, everyone I met right from the get go. They seemed ex- uh, very sincere and genuine and okay. nice people. Very yeah, welcoming so, group. So yeah, very nice. yeah I, I'm glad that uh, probably because you probably set the precedent because a lot of the women writing were from your group, right? Yeah. yeah. And so it was very accept- accepting of everyone. It was good, good group, good writing speed. Sue, who was leading, she yeah. was ripping, dude. Was ripping and yeah. say, if you if you need to pass me, go ahead. They call me the tortoise, you know. I'm like, <laughs> what? Well, we, she we, was riding a good speed. We, we ride, we, we ride with some fast people. They go, yeah. they go pretty fast. Yeah, they so, were. Yeah. We were booking on that, and it was wet. And I, I was glad she was because it was a brisk pace. We were passing cars, um, but it was also wet. It yeah. was a good. It was a good pace. Yeah, she was yeah. moving. Yeah. So um, I wanted to take a second to give a whir whir update. Now, is this a whir whir update or is this a whir 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 update? <coughs> What's this whir-whir? is a whir whir update. Women Riders World Relay. Oh, them. <coughs> oh. So yeah. we are now on day 61. If you remember, wow. Colette. Uh, yes. Edeline has been riding the entire thing from day one without a break. Right. That's and wild. is she still up there? She's still going. Wow. Fantastic. Now, is everything still on schedule? Everything is still on schedule. That's amazing. We're uh, day did, 61. You surely mean schedule. And I am going to list all of the countries that they have been through so far. Oh, do. Scotland, Ireland, oh. England, Wales, France, Spain, Portugal, Andorra, Italy, Slovenia, Croatia, oh, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Montenegro, Albania, Republic of North Macedonia, Serbia, Hungary, Slovakia, Poland, Czech Republic, Austria, Liechtenstein, Switzerland, Germany, Luxembourg, and Belgium. Wow. Three of those places I didn't know were countries. <laughs> I think Andorra. Two of them you made up. <laughs> yeah, Andorra. Like, who knew? Yeah. Yep. Um, they had a good reception there. So they are currently in Belgium. So Colette has gone through all of these countries without a day off. I think she's on her third set of tires now. Wow. wow. Day 61. and But she's also making stops along the way to visit embassies to uh, arrange for visas. Wow. And she's trying to line up bikes in, in other continents mm. as she's doing these rides every day. Wow. It's been wonderful. Passport, so is, is that what she's doing is switching out bikes along the way? Uh, yes. She's gonna. She's riding a bike in Europe and then I think she may or may not be swapping to different bikes in Asia. Then she has a bike lined up in Australia, and we're trying to get her a bike lined up 
in um, North America that she can ride down through South America and mm. then sell because the bike she's on in Europe she's going to send over to South Africa. What's she riding now? Hmm. It is a bike we don't have here, so I don't remember what it is. It's a it's Yamaha. A, it's a thingy. <clears throat> Yamaha 750. It's, it's, it's kind of like an MT or something. I'm not sure what it is. Hmm. It's, it's a, a Yamaha thingy. It's a thingy, but it's Yamaha. an upright. It's kind of like a Versus, but I think it's a 750. It's not the Tracer, is it? I don't remember. It's a Poopa. But it's perf- it's a perfectly adequate bike. It's been doing a great job. So that is the where we're update. Fantastic! Ooh, that's yeah. awesome. And it's on schedule. Isn't it? that's oh, it yes, it is. So, Emma, hello, darling. Since you haven't been here for a while, yeah, I think we're all like craving for more Emma. Oh, please! Yeah, and when yeah, I say craving, I mean. Leaving, as in, uh-huh. let's go uh-huh. into that deep dark <gasps> hole. Let's. I think it's time for an Emma's Emma's history hole. Well, you know, oh. it's deep. It's dark. And it's dank. The last time, the last time I took inventory, there's a lot of stuff in there. So, um, is it like a frunk? It is like a frunk. Can I can I put my scarf in there? No. (laughs) No scarf. But I did have a dig around in there and (laughs) And I tell you what I popped out. (laughs) Mods and rockers. Now let me tell you something. You see, this term is really become a byword, you know, this is a hipster byword. Mods and rockers. I mean, who are they? When were they? Why are they? What, what what are they? And a lot of people don't know actually the history of mods and rockers. So we we're going to dive into that a little bit. And this is good because a lot of people host mods and rockers rides. Right. And and I think a lot of people don't really know the total history. Yeah. There's, there's one coming up in San Francisco next mm-hmm. month. There you go. Yeah. So um, we're going to start at the beginning, um, which is the Second World War. Mm-hmm. Which is, and I mean, the Second World War is has been pivotal for a great many reasons in our history as motorcycling. When do we get to Sting? What? Sting <laughs> and Quadrophenia? When do we get oh, to that? Oh, right. no, we're going to come to that. Because that's now. pretty hard. Right. Do you know what they call and, it? And the who, right? Yes. Yes. The who. That's how they got the name, you know, because apparently they're all sitting around in the studio and, uh, um, you know, it's, it, everybody's suggesting a name. You know, and the road crew are going, yeah, call yourself Morris Oxford and the shooting breaks. They go, the you! <laughs> you know, and, and that's exactly how they got the name. Nice. Nevertheless, we're digressing already. <laughs> Second World War. And in America, it was quite interesting. When the GIs came back, they were craving, they were craving the excitement of the wartime exploits especially the pilots and so they formed motorcycle gangs they got the military bikes they cut all the crap off it chopped it all off hence the term chopper (coughs) and there were incidents like in Hollister and that was born out of Second World War tank crews and air crews riding around on cut-down bikes, and that's what was happening in America. Beep 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 beep. I have a yes, breaking. Uh, got to cut in for a news report right here. Yeah. I have an update on a crash. Ooh. Uh, unfortunately, Cat P, who was oh, here no. earlier, 
went off riding with Adrian, Charlie, and Douglas, has crashed her bike oh, no. and has possibly broken collarbone. Oh, no. The guys are there waiting for the truck to take her in, and everything is being taken care of. Oh, boo. Poor cat pee. So, uh, where is this at? She was on that Suzuki 550, right? She, she was on, on a GS goose. 500. Yeah. 500. Mm. So that is our broken bone update. Sorry to break in. You can no, that's it. that's quite all right. With uh, your story. That was the Supermoto spirited kind of ride. Mm. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, Supermotos go around corners very well. <coughs> GS500s, not so well. Mm. So I guess she was pushing it to keep up. So anyway, so what was happening in England? In England, what happened, most of the crews came back from the Second World War and they were very, very eager to start a family. And many did. And so it was really the beginning of the baby boom in England in 1945, 1946, 1947. This huge amount of babies being born. How's this going to tie into Mods and Rockers? Well, right around the very early 60s, all these kids are now 16, 17 years old. And in England... What people don't... A lot of people have got some weird misconceptions about what England is and what England was back then. Um, It's a very beautiful country. In a lot of places, it's a very, very vibrant country. (coughs) However, in the cities, certainly in the 1950s and 1960s, it was really quite a lot of crushing monotony. And it was not the most exciting existence. So, as a youth, as a youth, a lot of people form themselves into fellow-minded groups. And so, the mods and the rockers, if you distill it down to who they actually were, they were just subcultures of British youth groups. And how they differed and what made them different from the other youth groups, like the skinheads and the Teds, it was transport-oriented. Part of the actual culture of being in this group was having a vehicle. And that was what made a critical difference. And in the end, it was their death knell. So we'll deal with each group individually. The rockers road motorcycles now these were the motorcycles of the day so British motorcycles the Triumph BSA Norton Royal Enfield all of the bikes that were available were available to these guys but remember these are working class boys and girls blokes blokes and blokes and chicks were there any trikes then Probably not. Did they allow the Morgans in? Or did they treat them like can spiders? (laughs) Well, probably, because it was the old steering wheel thing. But there was a loophole. (laughs) Britain introduced a licensing requirement in the very early 60s that you had to ride a 250 until you passed your Mm. test, and then you could ride a bigger bike. But the loophole is if you had a sidecar on the side, you could ride any size bike. Hmm. But the reality... And the reality that they're much harder to ride. Exactly. (laughs) Number one, sidecars are extremely hard to ride. But we get into the cost. And, I mean, you can look at it 
in a very glamorous way through rose-tinted glasses and say, oh, all these guys were riding 650 BSAs and Triumph Bonnevilles and Norton Atlases. The reality was not... A, these were the top bikes of the day. These were the super bikes of the day. A more realistic cross-section of what you'd see these guys riding. 250 BSAs, Triumph Tiger Cubs, BSA C15s and B40s. Royal Enfield Crusaders, very humble machines, but they were part of the image. And the bikes actually dictated the clothing as well. So a rocker would be wearing black leather jacket because you needed a leather jacket for protection. Back then, jackets were usually black. Yes. I have a question. Yeah. Is rocker refusing to, is it referring to rock music or to their patch on their jacket? No, it's rock and roll music. Okay. Because we're going to come to what they listen to. Black leather jacket, jeans, motorcycle boots, usually for warmth. Remember, Britain is a cold country. So the warmest socks back then were the white navy woolen socks. And the fashion was mm -hmm. to turn them over the top of your boot. And then, very traditional hairstyle. These guys were looking back. So the music they listened to, hence a rock and roll, were traditional rock and roll music. And that's what they listened to. The girls dressed very much the same, but they had more of the old-fashioned type of beehive hairstyle. So that's the rockers. So you, you understand who they were, what they listened to, and that culture. The mods, that was a shortened form of modern. And so they saw themselves as a lot more looking forward. They rode scooters, which were traditionally Italian machines. Their clothing all wore suits with narrow ties, very short hair, Italian wraparound sunglasses, and they generally listened to the black music of the day. So that meant ska music, soul music, rhythm and blues. It was a very, very different culture. Yep. But part of the culture was owning a scooter, just as part of the culture of being a rocker was owning a motorcycle. And that's what made the difference. <clears throat> so, we have these two subcultures. And what we're probably dealing now with 1960 61 62 and the numbers are growing it's a very very good culture to get into because it's a pretty self-contained lifestyle if you're working at a factory and you're living in some part of suburbia in a big city like london and Downtown London is a wonderful place, but once you get out into the home counties, into the suburbs, it is desperately dull. Birmingham is the same way. Manchester is the same way. So you're living in suburbia, you've got a pretty boring job. Well, for the, for the cost of a motorcycle and some clothes, you've got a place that you can hang out with all your mates. And the same, if you're attracted the image of being a mod you get a scooter you get the clothes you can hang out with all your mates yes jim with the scooter what's the thing with the mirrors <laughs> <laughs> they're so vain yes it was part of the image and i think well so also, describe it, like 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 stink scooter and quadrophenia okay. or if you don't know what quadrophenia is but yeah <laughs> The majority of the scooters were, of course, Vespas or Lambrettas, and um, they're pretty much in equal numbers back then. Yes, hello, Mike. 
Sorry, Miss Emma. Um, I've got an early day tomorrow. I got a, an email that I need to prepare for a trip that I'm taking for work, so I gotta take off. Oh, Mike, it's always a pleasure, mate. I'll be thinking about you. I'll be yeah, thinking about you too, Dave. Hey, thanks so much for all the gear too. Yeah, I, yeah, he I've did get some gear. I've got a suit that I can gear. do a track day now, and I don't have to put it off till I can afford it. And oh, we and sweet. we found a nice helmet in there that I didn't yeah. know was in there. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, cool. you guys. Hey, um, Ride safe, okay? And Mike, thanks for giving Liza a good nubbing with your oh, foot. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about the door. I still Price have time. Good jab. All right, you guys. Jab. All right. All right, see you, Mike. Bye, Mike. Bye. Ride safe. So, we're talking about the mods and the mirrors, and a lot of it had to do with fashion, too. They exactly. Were very much it about was very much fashion forward. Well, and, and if I can interject, the, yes. the mirrors really were, that, that was sort of a status symbol, because if you if you were earning more and you know, had more money to spend, you could spend it on more mirrors right. and make your bike that much more, like, look like a peacock, you know? Right. And Just like the suits. Yeah, and, the and that's, a, that's and a great way of describing it, yeah. because, I mean, the thing is with a scooter... If you if you've got a motorcycle, <laughs> oh my! Stop it! He's nubbing me. Oh, that's oh, making me uncomfortable. That's awesome. I, I heard the crunching oh. as he was nubbing you. I was like, that what was, is that? That was Liza's cords. And yet, I would like to point out too, I could have dick punched him, and I didn't. Yeah. Well, no, I think that's because it felt good. It was like you a know, I think time. you're, Liza. I think you're learning. So, um, <laughs> I think the point I'm making, certainly in 1960s Britain, it was harder to customize a scooter than a, mm. than a motorcycle in terms of actual hop-up <laughs> That's accessories. That's a good point. There wasn't a whole lot to buy. There yeah. wasn't a whole lot to buy. So, in terms of turning your scooter, as you so eloquently <laughs> said, into a peacock, yeah. you bolt on lights, you bolt on mirrors, until it almost becomes a parody of itself. Yeah. And <laughs> you'll see a scooter with... 30 or 40 mirrors and the equal number of lights. Now, if they were functioning lights, the generator on the scooter would just say, <laughs> sayonara, sucker, and just melt and fall off the end of the crank. Well, I think a lot of the times they were battery-powered. <coughs> yeah, the scooter, exa- scooter electrics couldn't handle them. Exactly, and they had the little D-cell batteries, and right. you, know, you switched them on at the top, or yeah. they were non-functioning. <laughs> so that was the scooter. Um, so you had these two subcultures, and they were seen as competition for one another. So would they, like, rumble? Is what like with chains and bats? Yes. What were the weapons of choice for a rock and so, a mod? <laughs> there were minor rumbles um, that really started in 62, the latter part of 62. Aye. And be- subcultures being subcultures and youths being youths generally <laughs> want to beat the crap out of each other. There's nothing <laughs> new in that. Testosterone's a powerful yeah. drug. Exactly. Yeah. But it's very easy to identify from a distance if a guy's wearing black leather and riding a motorbike that's a rocker if a guy's wearing an Italian suit with a parker over the top and riding a scooter that's a mod (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so it's very easy to identify them so it's very very easy to really vilify and criminalize the other part so you know there were minor rumbles but everything reached ahead Easter bank holiday weekend in 1964. So we're talking 55 years ago. And basically, um, the worst fighting was in Brighton, but there was fighting all over Britain. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Because part of the culture was they were mobile. And this is what made the critical difference. These guys could get on their scooters, get on their motorcycles, and actually go to seaside resorts where 
normal families were sitting on the beach eating ice cream and having a wonderful time <laughs> and these just great waves of youth came down and beat the living crap out of each other <laughs> particularly in Brighton and Brighton um, really saw some of the worst fighting um, it was like a riot in the street almost it, well there was a riot yeah. on the beach um, the mods outnumbered rockers by, I think, some say about 10 to 1, but the reality was about 4 to 1, and there was some vicious, vicious fighting. Mm. So much so that there was inquiry in it in British government. Now, the timing itself was kind of bad on the mods and the rockers part, because in the early 60s, British government had been rocked with some sexual scandals. There was these two... How can you put it? Really very high-class call girls called Christine Keeler and Mandy Rice Davis. And they were basically... They were hookers. And they were selling secrets to the Russians, having slept with British prime ministers. And mm. it, it brought down the government. Wow. Mm. So the British... And that was in 63. Is that what inspired the James Bond novels too? <laughs> well, I think actually Ian Fleming wrote some of the novels before then, but it was oh, okay. a big scandal at the time. Wow. And the British government was very, very eager to show that they were take charge now and we're not going to take in any control. nonsense and in control. So <clears throat> after this big fight at the bank holiday weekend in Brighton, you know, British MPs came down, there were big inquiries. And they actually passed laws and formed laws based on public assembly that are still on the books today. So it really changed the laws. But the finale was the big fight at Brighton and Bank Holiday Weekend. Um, Who won? Uh, you know, Who won? I would love to, you know, I don't think there are really any winners. Um, it would be, depend who you ask. I mean, a lot of mods got their faces smashed in. Um, a lot of rockers did as well. So, after that, it really kind of died down. Um, there were, you know, there were scuffles here and there. And in any town, right up until the late 60s, you know, there were a couple of hanger, hangers-on with mods. But you were asking me about Sting, weren't you? Oh, uh, well, yeah, just because well, I saw a picture of him the other day from Quadrophenia, and it's like, man. Well, in he's nine... looking good. Well, his his... What happened? So back in the early 70s, The Who were really pushing the envelope as far as musical experimentation went. And they wrote two rock operas. And the first was called Tommy. And the second was called Quadrophenia. And Tommy was written in 1972 and was made into a film in 1975. And Quadrophenia was written in 1973 and made into a film in 1979. And what it did was it really rejuvenated the whole modern rocker scene. Mm. Not to the extent <laughs> that it was... Don't get me wrong. But certainly in Britain in the late 70s, and I mean, this is right in my wheelhouse. This is when I was <coughs> riding. Britain had gone through something of resurgence of the popularity of bikes. So there was a lot of people riding bikes. 
and it was very, very easy to look back. And I've talked about this before on the podcast. When I first started riding in the 70s, a couple of those old guys from back in the day were still riding bikes. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you that because you had such an influence from that era, but yet you're like your wheelhouse, you're coming into the Japanese super bikes. Oh, absolutely. Well, so we, how did you see that, that bridge, that influence from that old... Well, we, we, well we, we held stuff. these guys in some great reverence. You see, in Sutton Coalfield, where I was riding the bikes, there were, there were two biker pubs. There was the Royal Hotel, and the Royal Hotel was where all of us who rode Japanese bikes, that's where we hung out. And there'd be all the Z1s parked outside, and the Water Buffaloes, and the CB750s, and we all had long hair, and we wore bright leathers, and... You know, we listen to contemporary music. You're Barry Sheen, motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Up the road was the Three Tons. Now, the Three Tons... Wait, so wait, back up. What was contemporary music? Contemporary music? Well, I mean, it was rock music of the day. It was okay. Led Zeppelin. They just released in through the outdoor. Are you talking about from Emma's youth? Yeah. Beethoven. Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, caveman music. You know, banging stones against one another. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, uh, Led Zeppelin just released in through the outdoor, uh -huh. um, most prog rock. Yeah, Rush you. was actually quite big. Um, mm. So cool. we listened. But up the road in the three tons, there were some guys who were a lot older than us. They were 15, 20 years older. And they still wore black leather jackets. <laughs> and wrap around Italian shades. They look mean as hell. <laughs> and they rode British bikes. Like and a BSA gold I, star. I want to be like, like that. that. And we held these guys in reverence. Sorry, and they talked to us. But they kind of put up with us because we were the snot-nosed kids <laughs> and they'd been doing the rounds. So they were still around. But anyway, this film, Quadrophenia, was made. It was a big-budget film. And it kind of had this big resurgence. And some poor misguided fools actually decided they were going to buy some scooters and start wearing parkas again. <laughs> yep. Which is a big bloody mistake. And so... Um, and then it spread over to the, see, across the pond again. Everybody uh, needs somebody to hate. Exactly. Everyone needs someone to hate. We can all hate quads, oh, no, though. I, we can just yeah. all hate quads. Oh, yes, yes. Tyler, <laughs> how do you hate. feel about quads? Well, you can hate them with us. Uh, why do you hate quads? <laughs> they oh, they suck. Uh, so oh. I am ashamed to admit, and I will put my hand on heart, and it's a, said it's a shameful part of Emma's existence that I was riding my GT750 with a guy called Mark <laughs> on the back. And it was right in the middle of the time when mods and, you know, the new mm -hmm. mods and rockers in 79 were rumbling. And, you know, it's like, in my defense, rockers, uh, mods took great pride in, in smacking rockers. Did you curb stomp someone? No. But <laughs> so were they still riding the Europeans? We, we pulled up behind this poor young man on a Lambretta, which had a giant antenna on the back. And <laughs> Mark ripped the antenna off the back of the Lambretta and started whipping the ride <laughs> his own antenna, oh which was God. fairly typical of the... Oh, Pagel, you can't did, laugh. Did it, have, did it have the foxtail on it? Yes. <laughs> so, but there was some resurgence of it. And it was, it was kind of half-hearted, but it was fun at the time. Um, and that's basically the Mods and Rockers. It was a British subgroup. Um, in in retrospect, and a lot of studies have been done on this on the at the time, were they really that bad? And the truth is, they weren't. They fought no more than any other 
youth subculture. Just they did it all in one place. But they, number one, they did it very publicly in very public places. And the government found them a very easy target to seize on. Mm. And I think a sensitive government, having been through such a scandal a couple of years before, were looking for people to throw the book at be tough well Well, it's a similar time to the you know the early days of the hell's angels in california right exactly they're an easy target yeah you guys the the mods and rock are just coming up in the city we need to go do it right and i don't know if you guys have done it but the scooters start out at one location the motorcycles another we pass Mm -hmm. each other and wave our fists oh no we're gonna do we're gonna do better than that let's rumble with bagels some dildo waving i'm sure (laughs) just look for a look for a giant whip antenna (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, bank holiday weekend and it's amazing to think 55 years ago 55 wow. years ago, virtually this weekend, we just yeah. went through uh, Easter. Yeah. So, um, 55 years ago, and that was that was the peak. That really was the peak. Emma, thank you very much for oh, that you're history. you're welcome. Hall. I mean, I've been meaning to do Mods and Rockers <laughs> for, for a little while, but it's, it's a very, it, they're a very British thing. Yeah. They're very much of the time, and... Um, God bless you all. If you, if if any, if any of the guys, whether you're a mod or a rocker, is listening to this show, call in. I'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Or we can all just say we want to hate the mods, dudes <coughs> in fancy suits on old scooters. You guys don't wear fancy suits. Well, I you can hate the mods. The I, they're, they're my friends too. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah, those <laughs> guys. All right, we'll stick um, with the quads. And, and you can you can go up and talk to them on on May 11th in San Francisco. Ooh, man, I'm in. Rumble Ooh, coming up. Rumble. Ooh, the rumble. <laughs> well, I wanted to get a um, report from Scott because he did something really cool today. What you done too. do, Scott? We took a long ride. Well, I don't know, long, depending on how you want to call it. Uh, Doc Wong's ride out of his uh, chiropractic <clears throat> office in Belmont, about um, 1,031 curbs or something like that, and 100 something miles. He's so been doing his. Doc Wong, I've Doc heard Wong, of this before. He's been doing like workshops for a long time. 22 years, yeah. 22,000 <clears throat> riders. Wow. And it's a nice, it's a nice next step from uh, just getting your driver's license, going through the CMSP classes or something. Is he up like in like Sky Honda or somewhere? Or is he up in the mountains? Well, it starts in Belmont, and then we go up. Belmont. Okay. Um, what is it? Um, Thirty-five. King Mountain Road, crossover Skyline, up in Woodside. Come back down to Nita's Creek Road. Stop at. Uh, we were talking about San, San Gregorio <laughs> store before. Mm-hmm. Stage Road yeah. through Pescadero. And um, actually, we stop in Davenport mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. Whale City Cafe Ooh. for lunch, and then hit uh, Bonnie Dune Road after that, and all kinds of good stuff. Wow! That's so, a good and how ride. many people were on the ride? I think today we had about forty or fifty. That's a big ride. That's it a is. lot of people. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Jim's like, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> so, did that it, was today. What time? I was up that way too. Actually, some of the same roads. What time were you guys there? It was an all-day thing. Okay. So they start out the day with about eh, an hour or so of a technique talk based on some of Keith Code's yeah. work at, uh, at Doc's office. And then after that, we split up into groups based on how fast people feel like riding that day and then take off from Belmont and head up in the hills. And what were you riding? Today I was on the ST-1300P. Good old 5.0. 
Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Scott, so I mean, where were you in terms of um, speed for the day? Sort of up up near the front runners or kind uh, of middle of the pack? Because you're a pretty quick rider. I can be. It's all in the mood of me. <laughs> <laughs> we split into three groups, and I played. Uh, I played tail on Doc's group. Okay, so you you were you were tail in the fast group. Yeah, I only lost four people. Okay. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> hard to tell when people cut into the group. It's like, are you with us? I think there's eleven. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so and Doc Wong does like workshops. So it's, it's like. He does. Yeah, right? Check the website. It's very cool. He does these street riding clinics. He does track days uh, in conjunction with Keith Code and some other folks, I think. And he also does dual sport days and off-road days. So I have a question. You know, it's um, I find a lot of times riding up on those roads, I go as fast as I can see. So what kind of things in general did you do you learn from a class where you still have the restriction of, you know, blind corners and driveways and things like that? The whole thing is on public roads, so good question. Today's technique was two-step cornering, which basically you look to where your turn point is going to be. You're looking through the curve to the exit. Get to the turn point when you see your exit, that's when you initiate your turn. So stay wide until you see the exit. And he'll rotate techniques through, again, from, from Keith Code's work, from other you know, published racing uh, work. And the roads, they weren't wet still, right? Were they all perfect? <laughs> you have to ask Mike next time about uh, China Grade. Oh no, what? That's obscene. Oh, that's a gnarly. It's, it's like half off road, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some spots that are paved. Yeah, Let's it was. It, it was bad. <laughs> yeah, it was bad that's 15 years ago, road, so yeah. I can't imagine what it's like now. It's such a great variety on that route because yeah. there's some perfect ballroom sweepers. Yep. And there's some really tight, nice technical stuff that's a little narrow but with good pavement, and there's yep. some just horse crap pavement too. Yeah. It's all technical. Potholes you can lose your bike in if you're not careful. Oh, yeah. i got to check my rims after some of that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I was telling Mike over the Bluetooth, it's like, this is all for your good, man. It's going to build character. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what's interesting about those roads, too, is is a lot of the lights dappled. So you can't tell, like, if you're in a turn or heading into a turn, is that, like, just the color of the pavement? Or is that actually, like, an 8-inch, you know, root underneath the asphalt jacking it up? Yeah. Yep. Nice. Well, I want to tell me next time I, he's doing something like that. Yeah, I might I'll get you jump in touch. In on that. It's on his calendar, docwong.com. You can see all the days he's got scheduled, and I'd love to get you two in touch, see if we can get him on the show. I think that's a great idea. Hmm. Yeah, he's he's been helping people out for years. Yep. Does he, does he uh, provide food? Well, there are places to stop for food on the route, but no, we don't. don't (laughs) Well, but also he's a chiropractor, and I have to believe that there's something in line, too, with, uh, you know, your your spine and and riding and having good balance, right? Health, yeah. And and he's done workshops on riding position. I mean, just so that you are in a good position, supportive, not hurting your back or your neck or your wrists and things like that. So, yeah. Oh, I think that's comment. great. So Mike was commenting today that Doc took us on China Grade to get more business for chiropractic. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm going to check out more Doc Wong stuff. That's I've been hearing his day. name for years. Yeah. So He's, he's awesome. He's, yeah. he's really great. Cool. Yeah. Um, I've got We've got some emails to cover. We've got to catch up. Email yeah. time. Got some good ones, but this is one from one of my favorite people. Oh, yeah? Yeah, this is from Ted at Motorcycle Men Podcast. Hey, Ted, you rock and roll. How are you, mate? I know. Rock and, and roll. And he's, he's catching up. He says, congratulations on your 300th episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a... That was 
wasn't that long ago. Uh, Twelve uh, weeks ago. A couple months ago. Okay, very good. <laughs> yeah, no, but he makes up for it with his email. He says, sorry to be late on this, but I wanted to congratulate you and the rest of the M&M crew on your 300th show. It really just dawned on me what a milestone that is. You've done this monkey business 300 times. Are you nuts? <laughs> It's hard for us to believe as well. He says, I would have to imagine there is a spreadsheet somewhere that outlines the attendance of each cast member, the number of times Emma said darling, the number of chariot races held, the number of guests, and the number of dildos used for various reasons. Hmm. There's a new one on the mantle right here. Yes, you can extrapolate Mm -hmm. that information, darling. Is that one of those things you like time a piano with? (laughs) Metronome. Metronome. That's what it looks like. Metrodong. My very best to you and the rest of the crazy kids of Santa Cruz. See what I did there? It's Cruz, C-R-U-I-S-C. Here's to another 300. P.S. We're about to have our 200th episode here in a few weeks. Crazy to think that it's gone on and lasted this long. It is. And one thing I think that's really cool is there's a you know, when we first started out uh, podcasting, there was just a, a small core group of podcasters. Some of them are still here. Um, but then there's been a lot of new people that came in after us, and they've all, most of them have all survived. And now they're looking at 100, 200 episodes. It's not like it's not been a fad where people just try it out. Right. They've all stuck with it, and everybody has grown into their own kind of voice and their own audience and their own kind of you know stick that they're having um you know like creative writing sure. and, and motorcycle men and this motorcycle life this mm. yeah and you know yep. cleveland Shout moto out. and all of them <laughs> who who did you say cleveland moto? did you see Don't what he bought did you see what he bought yes <laughs> oh my god it's freaking hearse that thing is bitching it's a pagoda hearse never changed phil fuck yeah. so crazy awesome. Bagel, what do you have there? I have a very a interesting long. email. Uh, this is uh, from John, and it's titled Dealing with Bad Service. Hello, John. It says, Greetings from not sunny Seattle. <laughs> I have a 2017 Triumph Tiger Explorer. It's a fantastic. <laughs> we, we don't call them exploders for nothing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one almost did. <laughs> it's a fantastic bike and makes, makes me smile every time I ride it. That's what it's all about, really. Recently, I had to get the fuel level sensor replaced under warranty. Right. Evan knows this, but the fuel level sensor is part of the fuel pump assembly that is right. inside the fuel tank. Right. So the tank has to be drained, removed, and flipped upside down for access. Right. Then the fuel assembly re- removed. Then the fuel assembly is removed for repair. Right. Well, about a week later, I pull into the garage and get a strong smell of fuel. Ooh. I know what they've done. I had been on the highway for a few hours, so it wasn't apparent there was a leak until I stopped. I'd lifted the rear of the tank so I could look under it. There is a fuel transfer pipe that yes. goes to the front corners of front, front corners and rear of the tank. Yes. So maintain fuel level. Yeah. Uh, well, the rear pipe has two connections. Both of them had the metal clips installed in the wrong location. Oh, boo. One was in the middle of the pipe. The That's other, not good. <laughs> the other was around the middle spigot part of the tank. <laughs> That's not good. So neither clip was doing its job of holding the pipe in place. There was fuel all over the area under the tank. I cleaned that up and gave her a test run. The leak was still there in a big way. I checked again, and it seemed the fuel was coming from where the fuel pump assembly attached to the tank. So I drained the tank and removed it. 
I flipped it over and checked the torque settings on the fuel pump assembly. They were way off. One nut was way over tight, the others way loose. I mean, almost finger tight loose. I, I went ahead and removed the assembly and noticed the rubber seal had been incorrectly installed. Oh, no. There was a big tear in it, and it was now stretched beyond useful. I ordered a new seal, $6, and put it all back together. No big deal. These things happen. I learned something new. But the bigger issue is how do I communicate with the dealer? I expect a whole lot more from a professional. If the seal was damaged for some reason when it arrived, I've never taken it apart, uh, the tech should have noticed it and replaced it. The tech, no. the tech sh- also should have installed it correctly, but my goodness, how crazy the torque settings were. And the fuel pipe clips. What a rookie mistake. So how do I address this? <clears throat> I'm not a mechanic, and I don't want to be that guy that complains. They always have been good to answer questions, but I shouldn't have to check their work either. Thoughts? Yeah, tell them to listen to this podcast. <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say exactly the same thing. I mean, that kit that Triumph supply for the um, oil uh, for the fuel level sensor comes with an O-ring. Mm-hmm. So the tech actually fucked up the new O-ring. Mm. It's, I mean, it is easily done, mm-hmm. but nevertheless, um, <sighs> no. So it's a good question. So, <clears throat> Emma. Are we to assume that you are perfect, or do you think oh, you've ever Lord, made a no. mistake? So how would you prefer somebody to go to your shop, and do they go to you directly to let you know, or do they go to your the owner of the shop? No, generally... Parts manager. Who do they go to and say, hey, so just heads up? Generally, it's the service manager's job. Okay. Um, the service manager acts as a liaison between the mechanics and the public. Now, as a rule, most mechanics... You know, a sort of knuckle-dragging Neanderthals and look, <laughs> would look at a home in the primate house of the local zoo. And box. you wouldn't want to have a conversation with them. Conversely, they've got absolutely zero interest in dealing with the public. So that's where the service manager comes in. If he's a good service manager, and there are plenty out there... Um, it's his job to take the concerns of the customer. And in this case, John's got some very, very real concerns. Um, he has made a mistake, and I'll come to that in a minute. Um, and then present it in such a way to his mechanic that said, basically, don't do this again. I mean, the mistake's already been made, so we can't go back in time and get the mechanic to do it correctly. But the mistake John made is fixing it himself Mm. what he should have done and i know i mean there's a variety of reasons that he he didn't he might have been under a time crunch Mm. if he's got a leak on his bike you call up the dealership and you say look my bike is leaking i need you to come out here and get it right now because it's leaking fuel all over my garage floor um and let them deal with it because ultimately it's a learning experience for them and they, exactly and they um, can see exactly what's wrong too before you you know i i want to try and be an advocate for the dealership the mechanic may have been having a bad day he may have been distracted you know mistakes happen i mean none of us are perfect i would like to think that 
when I made a mistake, and you know I've made plenty of them over the years, you own it, you step up, and you make it right. And if making it right means fixing the problem and chucking in free fitting on a new couple of tires, or, you know, Mm -hmm. hey, listen, I'm going to do your valve clearances, and I'm not going to charge you for them. If that's what it takes, you do it. But you make it right, and that's what... Give them the opportunity to win you back. Because even if you take care of it, you're going to go, last time they fucked up, maybe I'll try someone new. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, Triumph dealerships, as a rule, Mm -hmm. do tend to be very good. They attract... The enthusiasm, the enthusiasts out of the industry, um, and that's good and bad in a lot of ways. Because just because somebody's an enthusiast doesn't necessarily make them a good wrench. I think the wrench was having a bad day. Don't be put off the dealership. But if you have to take your bike back to that dealership, John. Just remember what happened and relay that as kindly as you can to the service manager and just say, hey, look, you've done great work for me in the past, but I'm going to be honest with you here. The last job you did for me was a horse's ass, and And this is what I had to do, so please. And and you have to remember, every mechanic has a first time on every bike. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and it's also probably good just to mention that now, because if if he is doing these incorrectly, because this is a recall item, right? Oh, yeah. So if he's doing them incorrectly... The service manager needs to needs to make sure that stops so that other people don't have the same. Well, let's be too. honest with you. If your bike's pissing fuel all over the garage floor, right. and the central heating kicks on and burns your house down, it is not the best state of affairs, oh, yeah. is so, it? Definitely. Since it's after the fact, do you think he should just give a call, ask for the service manager, and say, "Here, just want to let you know, here's no, what happened." No, because now from this point forward, mm-hmm. it's. I told you so. You know, he's already fixed it. He really should have got in touch with the dealership there and then. Because the dealership's not going to say, oh, we're really sorry, here's a couple of free tires. Because the bike's already together. Well, okay. I understand, but but my point is that he should alert them so that they don't keep doing this to other customers. Yeah, just, hey, heads and up, I'm not asking for anything, just want to let you know. That, that might prevent... This is what I discovered. I don't think it's that. I think the mechanic okay. was probably having a bad day. Okay. I think he probably okay. had a fight with his girlfriend or boyfriend. <laughs> you know, maybe he had a bad curry the night before and he was running backwards and forwards <laughs> to the toilet. I, I think, you know, Seattle's a big town. It's a motorbiking town. Triumph generally Triumph for a lot of things But they don't tolerate fools for dealers mm. so, so I think the mechanic was having a bad day in that I think case. what you're saying is look at Google Maps Find the local curry house And don't eat there There you go Okay good yes. Good 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 Tyler do you have an email that you can read? I do um, this Is it from? Hello from New Jersey Betty Sanchez Oh hey, hey Betty. Betty Oh okay oh. we know Betty She's, no. the, she's the clean Sanchez <laughs> <laughs> oh, God almighty, Jim, don't go there. <laughs> oh, my God. But it's clean. Uh, Betty says, hi, Lisa. Liza. I know, but it's spelled Lisa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, maybe she wants to talk to Lisa. She's dyslexic. Don't make fun of her. It's Liza with a Z. Liza with a Z. There you go. Oh, um, not Lisa with an S, because Lisa with an S goes not Z. 
Uh, Tyler, surely you, surely you mean a Z, darling. A Z, yeah, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, thank you. So what does she have to say to Lisa? Yes, carry uh, on. She says, last weekend I had the opportunity to visit the Motorcycle Museum in Newburgh, New York. Hey. Of course, I had all of you in mind. They have the foremost collection of Indian motorcycles. Oh, wow. A huge bunch of police motorcycles from the early 20th, 20th, 20s? Yes. 20s. Emma would be uh, delighted to see them. Mm. And a couple of Vespas. Please oh. share pictures with Bagel. Welcome <coughs> and uh, welcome to come and visit anytime. Oh, cool. Same Thank you. There's oh, pictures sweet. on the second page. Yeah, there you yeah. go, Bagel. There you go, Bagel. Don't you love when people take pictures of scooters and send them to you like oh, yeah. I do? And do you, and do you know what Bagel does with them? He takes, <laughs> them, uh, he takes them home and puts them on his pictures bedside on the second table. Page. And there are some very nice pictures here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see a, um, uh, a roomie, a uh, TWN Contessa. Uh, like wait a, a minute, wait, wait, is the roomy the two-cylinder scooter? Yes, yes, the Is that the one that vacuums your floor when yes. you're gone? <laughs> it's the one you dry your hair with, It's darling. a poet. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of these scooters belong to some friends of mine out that way. Really? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, I have uh, some friends, uh, Tom and Adam Giordano, who live in New York, and they are all about the, the oddball scooters, like the, the non-Vespa, non-Limbretta scooters that were just these obscure marks that no, no I mean, longer exist. I remember seeing a picture of a roomy many many years ago mm-hmm. and it was like factory magenta or something and yeah a lot it, of them were, it, were red, it, deep red yeah it looked like a blob yeah yeah it's, you it's know, a very it, bizarre it had looked like, like it actually looked like it'd been extruded from a dog's bottom <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing. Oh, I wanted to say, this is kind of a, a side note. Um, our, our friend Amanda at Icon. Um, Hello, Amanda. She had Hello, a, She had a, a guy coming in who they were doing a bit of a sponsorship for. He's doing a, a ride for cancer. And uh, he showed up, but she didn't know, like, if, is this guy legit or what, right? He showed up wearing a Motorcycles and Misfits t-shirt. Oh, oh yeah. nice. And she said, oh, I knew he was legit. There you yeah, go. She called the cops. <laughs> All right, what you got there, Miss Emma? Oh, I like the title of this. I thought you would. Moby 2.0 for Miss Emma. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is from Matt Barlow. Hey, Hey, Matt. Matt. Hey, all. I hope you're enjoying some damn fine riding. We are, thank you, Matt. We are, yes, we We are. We finally got some nice weather in Utah, Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm heading down to Moab next week. If you remember, I broke my leg... Uh, back in St. George in oh, January. Yeah. yeah, that was gnarly. Yeah, I'm gnarly. back, bitches. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm going to ride Take the care. Tracer 900 down to Moab and meet up with uh, buddies, then leave the bike in the toy hauler. I'll ride shotgun in a Jeep and follow the rest of the guys riding dual sports along the White Rim Trail for two days, then back on the bike and 250 miles back home. That sounds like a great weekend. Well, we'll make sure you got a camera on again. Right. <laughs> um, I'm not back onto dirt bikes yet, but that'll come soon enough. That's great. Yeah, cool. right on, dude. But for the true piece de resistance, look, he included mm-hmm. a bit of French there. I found a Honda Pacific Coast 800 oh. with low miles Ooh. and lots of love to give. And you know what? PC800s have so much love to give. Mm-hmm. Um, like a giant marshmallow. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just leave this here to enjoy. Note the well-maintained tires which have received liberal coats of armor all to keep them fresh. Is it white? Oh. It is. It's exactly the same oh. as mine was. It's mm-hmm. white over silver. 
And then I did mine blue to make it look more like a yacht. It was a nice trim. <laughs> nice trim. The only Good thing luck. I regret not doing to Moby was removing the handlebar and putting a, a ship's wheel <laughs> instead of a handlebar. You know, you could have put a sail on there for better fuel economy. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I had this vision of Moby having like a ship's wheel for the handlebar and like a mast with a little pennant uh, on the back. Oh, well, boo. Look, miniature um, cannons pointing out the sides. Yeah, exactly. Love to you all and hope you're doing great. Keep up the great work, man. I'm so back that right on, uh, I'm so glad that you're back riding. That's just it, it goes again in 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 line with Tyler's story about people who have a bad accident have to right. recover and then but the goal is just to get back on because I think it is in our DNA. You know, and even back down on a very very less scale but important nonetheless, a young friend this morning. Mm-hmm on his KTM 390. Mm -hmm. That was a bad wreck. I mean, if you smash up upside down forks, you hit something hard. In his case, a truck head on. But he's young. He's like, I don't know, my knee kind of hurts when I do this. That was the extent of his injury. He bounced. But nevertheless, Mm -hmm. he wants to get back on that bike. That's all he wants to do is get back on his bike. Can't his, fault his him. His dad was with him? Yeah. So that's cool. His, his dad was No, his dad's cool. And you know... I, he looked like his dad just got done playing shuffleboard or something. Yeah, he got that look of... Shit. You know, I think he'd been just finished he playing bocce chilling, ball. man. He was cold <laughs> chilling. I love the stories when people overcome a small accident or a big accident and get back on the bike because it's important. And I always feel it's it's such a tragedy when people say, oh, I, you know, I, I was spooked or, you know, something happened or they had an accident and then they give it up because they're afraid to get back on. It, it is a and shame. It doesn't matter. Even, Jim, as you said, even a small accident can get into your head. A big accident certainly can too, but Tyler, you went and sought help for that. And you did what you had to do to regain your sanity, because I think for all of us, writing is part of what keeps us sane. So I thank you very much for sharing your story with us. I think it's very important for people to hear that even in worst case scenarios, you can get back on and you can find the thing that makes you happy. Well, it's and it's a process. I mean, I I think every single person that I know that's had an accident, their first reaction is, I don't know if I'm going to ride again. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. no matter what, how big or small, how small it is. And I really think that's a part of the process. Right. It is a process, and you don't want to do it too soon. Exactly. But, Take but, your time and work it through. And you found the solution, which was for you, was a reverse strike. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's a, it's it's such a positive story. I mean, we're here in the studio, Tyler's sitting next to me. She looks great. She's a very upbeat person and you're still riding. It's it's the greatest story. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I'm just going to I'm just going to announce here and now. Don't do it. I will start waving at Canams now. Ooh, right. Ooh. Oh, that was you? <laughs> you bitch. Lisa, is that you with your whole hand me. or just the single yeah, finger I was going to say, she didn't say what kind of wave. <laughs> exactly. So thank you again for sharing your story and um, and for being a part of the Wur Wur Err ride. Whir, whir. It, was, it was lovely to, to meet you on Sounds that. Sounds like you're having a seizure. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> or, or, or a really good bowel movement. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. terrible what constipation. Oh, don't get her started. She was talking about the um, bowel. Wagyu. Oh, she had a wagyu. Wagyu. I had a good, great Wagyu, wagyu poo, and it smelled like Wagyu. We're going on a yeah. ride up the coast no. the other day. No, yeah, I, I had a big not. piece of Wagyu steak, and the next day, Wagyu poo. <laughs> it smelled like I do not. I don't want to know about your poo. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> wants to know about what your poo We're smells like. We're going into like. Pie Ranch. We're about to get our, our orange. Oh, and she's drawing you schematics about pie. how much it weighed. No it's doubt. Just, yeah, I still got this Wagyu poo thing. I'm like, <laughs> oh. Jesus Christ. And on that note, <laughs> that very brown, <laughs> British racing brown stripe. <laughs> On that note, Barry Stain. Next week is the Quail Motorcycle Ooh, Gathering yes. in Carmel <laughs> Valley that many of us will be attending. Scott, are you going to go? I've actually got conflicting plans. Oh, Boom. been like coming? the last two or three years. I have to work on Saturday. Oh. So, um, I'm certainly going to be there. Liza's going to be there. Jim? No, no, I'm not going. Um, Yes, he's going. He's going. <laughs> I won't be there, though. We have the Vespa Club. Let's, let's get oh. us rallying that weekend. Boo. Well, keep an eye open for us. We're all going to be in our <clears throat> motorcycles and misfit shirts. You know what we look it's like. It's awesome. It's a good time. And I like the quail. We're going to be doing interviews there. Um, so and, hoping and to get don't forget. Malcolm Smith, who's going to be there. Remember who got run over by a golf cart. So, right. Which means he can't run away from us. He'll be in a golf cart. <laughs> Just like with Craig Vetter. I'm going to pin him down <laughs> oh, in that yeah. golf cart. And don't but, forget, um, Liza will being recognized by the AMA as friend of the AMA yeah, I'll award be receiving winner. My Actually, award. that is a misspelling. It should say fiend. Of <laughs> um, but she will be sharing the stage with Malcolm during the award ceremony. That's right. And I'm announcing that now. Um, don't share stories of your bowel movement with Michael Malcolm Smith or anybody else on the stage, please. Whether that it smells of Wagyu or not. <laughs> they have good food there, though. Um, it's a great day out. Yes. Great food, too, yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, if you're at the Quail, come up and say hello. Emma, are any, uh, yeah. your bike's going to be there this year? Um, no, I'm not exhibiting this year. None? Um, no, none. Oh, I'm just okay. going to ride in this year. Ah. I'm going to ride in. You know, I had that little hiccup with my career, yeah. which has kind of set me back a little bit. Um, I am going to display two bikes next year. Nice. Um, but this year, none. So I I'm think just, you should just ride the. Uh, then Magic I'm going to get two awards. Right onto the lawn. <laughs> yeah, just walk around the lawn and put a sign on it. So if um, if you're going to be going to the um, to the Quail Motorcycle Gathering on May 4th, I don't know yet when I'm getting doing the award, but I would love for everyone I know to be there. It's it's important to me. I, I appreciate it because I hold the AMA in high esteem and everything right. they do. Um, so check in at the AMA booth, and you can ask them when it's going to be happening. And I will be supplying a box with the rotten tomatoes. <laughs> Thank you. And I will be wearing my Evil Knievel jacket. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And Evil Knievel socks, I hope. Oh, always. Yeah, never without them. <laughs> always. Always. Yeah. Okay. So um, big thanks to all of our Patreon sponsors. Oh, you guys are the bestest. Big thanks to Law Tigers uh, for sponsoring They're us and also great. for the tickets to <laughs> Sacramento Mile. Didn't Law, I think Law Tigers sponsored the, the uh, Arizona TT also? Oh, all which was happening the this weekend. But they're toys, they're like the a toy girl. Yeah. Well, anyway, if you're looking for something to watch, uh, they had the TT races in Arizona, uh, American Flat Track Association. It was fucking awesome. 
But yeah, really good racing. Most of all, thank you, Tyler, for coming in and sharing yeah, your a, story. What a great story, Tyler. Thank you. It for really me. is fantastic. It was it was, uh, it was an honor to be here. Thank you. Yeah, and you're an inspiration to us all. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. So Good. thanks again, everyone. And I think we're ready to get out of here. This is Eliza. This is Scott. Bagel. Emma Darling. Tyler. Henry. Naked Jim. And we're out of here. Cool, cool. cool. cool.